Motown Rundown. What's the date? It's the 27th of December. It's like one of those things where I feel like the days between Christmas and New Year's Eve slash New Year's Day. I mean, it could you could have told me today was the 30th. I would have been like, you're absolutely right. I have no idea. But it's the 27th, which also makes it a Tuesday. Could, could have told me it was Monday. I believe you. Um, we are back. We will talk all things Christmas because that's important. But I would would you call this a development in the history of the Motown rundown of this new platform we're using? Sure. Call it a development. It's a development. It, it looks so we're on this thing, and this is I hate to do this, no free ads, but we're on this thing called StreamYard, which it looks more professional. It this looks like when you see people do podcasts from home, I feel like we're doing something different here. No, it definitely feels like we're making strides here. I mean, Collins is more well-versed in the podcast world. I feel like Collins is, like, ready to spread his wings and fly here. I'm, we're we're going to let Collins fly a little bit today. Thoughts? I think today's not the day. I got low energy, guys. <laughs> low T. I I can tell. Well, I can tell. But this is a nice platform we have. So, Trent, can you explain this to me? Are you paying for this service? That is irrelevant. I want well, so you are I paying. Want best for the podcast. No, it's a paid service, but he's on a free trial. I'm on a free okay. trial. Well, so that gives us some time to get some some sponsorship dollars. Yes. Well, sure. Yeah, we can do whatever I, I we knew, can do whatever dude, we want right it. now, Rabs. Come on, let's go. I specifically told you do not pay for anything because we don't. I don't want you paying for this out of your pocket because now Collins and I feel obligated to pay. I'll pay. I don't mind paying the money. We should all chip in. Okay, for one, you guys know I would never ask you for that. For two, you got to look good, feel good. If we, if we, you can't look good, feel good on Zoom. This, right. this already, you already made a comment about how we look better on this, and we already feel better, and this is already going to be yes. a better episode because of it. Well, I had the option when I initially, for it took me forever to get in here because I felt like my dad. Like you sent me the link on my phone, and I had just turned the laptop on, and the iMessages weren't loading on my laptop, so you had to send me the link to my email. And then I'm like pressing all these buttons. I got to actually upgrade my camera on my laptop. I did the high definition. So I'm looking good. I also was just not, I wasn't looking great earlier. And I knew I had a feeling that this new platform was going to really accentuate my features. So I'm like, you know what? If I'm not going to do my hair, I need to have a hat on. And I need to play around with the setting. I don't like where I'm sitting. It's a weird angle for me. I feel like I look a little chubby, but. It's good so far. Well, good. I disagree is, with that. I disagree people, with that. Although this is bad radio, no one cares what we look like. Although well, we might, post, the, we, hey, we might get a link or two out on. on that's Twitter. the thing. That's why I'm saying, like you, you sold this whole thing of we can post clips and it's easier now, and people can watch the live stream, and we can post, we can post this recording of the episode so people can watch it like a video. But what I do like about this, and obviously it wasn't different on Zoom because on Zoom, I think everyone was kind of in the same position, but you get a true behind the scenes look of the way that Trent and I do the podcast versus the way Collins does it. Collins is all about comfort and and that's the, where his headspace is the best is usually from <laughs> bad or laying down with a blanket on him. And Trent and I, and Trent and I are, are, are sitting up ready to go. So that's just how we also different vibes. I will say. I will say one thing, Collins, before we let you jump in here. That blanket that you have on, either you have like five of those laying in every room of your house, or that blanket travels because I've seen that oh, it blanket. It travels. Before. It travels. 
It was like the, I got it for as like a graduation gift before I went to college, and it was like the nicest gift anyone gave me. Shout out to my cousin Kaylee. Seriously, these blankets are so nice, and it's a, like a big blanket. Like I'm not the tallest guy in the world, but I'm not short either. And there's nothing worse than a short blanket. Yes. You know what I will say? I will say this. Given what I'm going through lately, I've been getting a lot of blankets as gifts. Yeah. Blankets blankets are a great gift. And I will also say that a bad blanket is a bad gift. Give a no, good blanket. No, it's awful. <laughs> yeah, like a thin, a thin short blanket. Hey, well, the hey thing here, here's is... the key. Here's the key. Here's a hint for all you gift givers out there. The term throw is usually a no-go. Don't do the throw because the yeah, throw the is, is it's too small. It's too small. Uh, there, there also could be like too warm of a blanket, if that makes any sense. Oh, yeah. it absolutely does. There's a medium there. There's a healthy medium. It looks like you found it, Collins. Yeah, it's nice. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> Tremendous. Um, let's talk about some Christmas. Let's let's throw the rock around a little bit. So we uh, happy happy Merry Christmas to all who celebrate, and my to my Jewish friends, Happy Hanukkah. The holiday season is over. I guess if you want to not celebrate Hanukkah at all. Um, we used to more of like an optics thing. We stopped getting invited to all the Jewish holidays a while ago, but for the longest time we did Hanukkah and Christmas. My dad would get his cool gifts during Hanukkah. And then we would get like, you know, the socks and the underwear and the necessities. And then Christmas was the big ticket items. But as time has gone on, my dad's not a religious guy, so he doesn't care. So it's yeah. just become more convenient to just put the menorah away and just do the Christmas. But um, gotcha. Christmas, Christmas has come and gone. I always have a bad case of post-Christmas depression on the day of Christmas. It gets late into the evening, and if I'm not watching the Polar Express or something, it gets tough. I love the Christmas season. I feel like it just came and went this year. Um, but nonetheless, I know everyone had a different Christmas experience. Trent, we'll get to you last because yours was uh, – Yours was something. Collins, how was your Christmas? It was good. Just hung out with the family. Nothing special. I mean, we on Friday, uh, Christmas Eve, we usually go to my dad's side. He's got a really big family, and that's always crazy. Watch the Lions lose, so that was fun. But um, I, And then Christmas is chilled. It was a really chill Christmas. And what's going on? My sister had a baby like seven months ago, so first Christmas with him. I Sorry. wanted to I wanted to bring that up because in the spirit of the Motown rundown, I feel like Uncle Steven gets brought up a lot. Right? Uncle yeah. Steven Rabinowitz, of course. Not Uncle Collins. But Collins is an uncle. Like he's yeah, actually Jamin. Collins is the first one of us three to be an uncle. I feel like that's kind of a big deal, and I kind of want to know. Well, how I mean, went. what's it called my? I mean, my siblings are older than you. Obviously, I'm the youngest. Way older. Yeah. So it is what it is. Yeah, it was fun. Shayman's first Christmas. Everyone spoiled them. It was fun. So. Yeah, good Christmas. Outstanding. Yeah, we had a we had a small gathering. I got a small family, for the most, and half the family's Jewish. Well, pretty much the whole family's Jewish, so that takes care of that. But Santa was good. <laughs> Appreciated that. Um, good times, Trent. You, my friend, what a Christmas day you had. Um, we know we touched on it a bit last well, week. Hang on. But- Christmas day, Christmas day, I spent in the car, which was interesting. Because that's right. Yeah, go ahead. Explain to well, the people just, what was going I'll, on. I'll explain to the people about a week ago when Greg Zerline missed a kick for the New York Jets against the Detroit Lions to give the Lions a 20 to 17 lead. My dad, Donald Bally, instantly started looking for tickets to this Lions 
Panthers game in Carolina. Now, granted, at the time, we were not thinking whatsoever about the weather. We were not thinking that it would be a record-setting cold game in Carolina. We were not thinking about any of that. We just said, hey, Lions are in the hunt. Lions are 500. Lions have a chance to be above 500 for the first time since 2017 or whatever the fuck it was. And we just said, let's do it. So we pulled the trigger. Miles flew home from Nashville. A lot of stuff went on going into this, okay? We pack up the car on the 23rd. The 23rd, okay? We drive down. No, excuse me. The 22nd, we packed up the car. And we went down about halfway. We stopped halfway in Ohio. And then on the 23rd, we drove the rest of the way to the Airbnb. 24th, I wake up. Christmas Eve, Saturday. Time to rock. No college football, really. So it's time to do the NFL thing. It's the rare NFL Saturday. It's the strange experience. And I'll tell you right now, the Detroit Lions did not even show up. <laughs> Whatever it is. U.S. Bank State. I didn't even care. Raps. I did not even care to learn the name of the stadium we were in because they Bank sent of America. us Bank of America. Bank of America. I called it U.S. Bank. There you go. Thank you, Collins. Bank of America Stadium. It's been there since the mid-90s. This was the coldest game that's been recorded in that stadium because of this Canadian cold front or whatever we're dealing with here. And I will tell you right now, the Lions did not show up. We will get to it much later in the podcast. We'll get to it last because we save the best for last, as always. But they sent our ass home in about the third quarter with about seven minutes to go. I Listen. If you know the Bally's, you know we're going to stay. We're going to stay. If there's any hope, we're staying. Well, you I've have seen, to. You go I've all that seen way. the 2014 Lions-Saints game at Ford Field where Drew Brees throws two picks in the fourth quarter and the Lions somehow win that game. I've seen it. I have not seen Sam Darnold just completely handing the ball off all day and the Carolina Panthers rushing for a franchise record 300-some yards. And, again, we'll get to it all. But that was my Christmas Eve. And then my Christmas – was uh, us packing it up and heading right back to the exact same hotel we stopped at on the way down, and we ordered Chinese food and everything was good. Um, watched some on, watched some football because there were a couple of games on that day. Tua Tungavailoa sucked. Thank you very much. But other than that, I don't know. I don't have much to add. I just Christmas was it was a little different this year because that also here's the, here's the other thing, and I don't mean to get into all this. That was my main gift for Christmas was to go to Carolina. So I didn't get much else for Christmas. Not that I'm a gift receiver. I'm much more of a gift giver. But I'm just saying that for the Lions not even show up, was uh, that was tough. But Rabs, carry it away. Carry well, you away. can't return a gift like that. My, my parting question before we move on with the show here today, how, what was the, how would you rate the – hospitality of the Carolina faithful because to me watching the game on TV it didn't look like there were that many people there no that's a good question and to answer your question no there were not a lot of people there it was not a sellout not even close but I will say this granted it is easy to be a good fan and a fun fan when you're winning by as much as the Panthers were basically from the start but I've got nothing bad to say about the Carolina Panthers fan base. They were absolutely amazing. They loved us. They were hazing us playfully the whole time. We were hazing them right back when the game was over or presumably in the third quarter when we're walking out, we're fist bumping everyone. We're saying, hey, you guys don't suck. We don't suck. And, and I got to give a shout out to Brock, who listens every single week, my brother. 
he was telling every single Panthers fan, every single one, he's saying, go beat Tom Brady. Go beat him. Win this division. Because as we know, the NFC South is in a position where they, they all just suck. And someone sub-500 is going to win that division. And why not the Carolina Panthers, who are now a game behind? And and, and maybe that's a little uh, that's flirtatious with my mortal lock of the week. But oh, I will say oh this. Oh, my God. No, no, no. Come on. Come on. They're playing the <laughs> Buccaneers. Right, go beat – it, the, the the mood walking out of uh, Collins, give me the name again. Citizen Bank, something like that. No, that's your thinking. Bank of America. Bank, Bank of America. America. Thank you, Collins. Bank of hashtag. Thank you, Collins. Walking out of Bank of America, the the the, the vibe was, you know, go beat Tom Brady because you know what, the Panthers showed up, they took care of business, and they did what they had to do. So, I don't know, Rabs. To answer your question, that was a very long winded answer, and I kind of got on a tipsy turvy road there. But no, no thank you the for Panthers. That. The Panthers fan base is absolutely great as far as I'm concerned. Good for them. All right. Well, we'll get more into Lions stuff at the end of the show here. Um, last week we spent our exclusive our time exclusively on the Lions. Um, and we'll have to come down, come back down to earth a bit here and we talk about them later. Um, we'll catch up on the Pistons and Wings before we get into that. Uh, Trent, you wanted to start things off. There's a little bit of news in the Pistons front office on top of some historic loss the Pistons suffered last night, which I guess seems to be a surprise to to you, but I I one I don't care, and two I'm not surprised. So let the people let the people in on the secret. Well, there's the good, the bad, and the ugly. The good is the Pistons extended Troy Weaver. I think that's a good thing. General Manager Troy Weaver and Collins. I want you to jump in here too, if you if you don't mind, because I think this guy is a guy who has shown up here and has legitimately been the best general manager in the city. I'm including Steve Eiserman in that. Troy Weaver has drafted Isaiah Stewart, Sadiq Bay, Killian Hayes, who's been great lately. Kill Cade Cunningham. He hasn't missed. You didn't it's, have to you didn't have to compare him. You didn't have to make the Brad Holmes has obviously been the, Brad Holmes has been the best GM in the city. The whoa, last whoa, two years. whoa, 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 no, so whoa, whoa. There's Rabs. two out of Steve. Eiserman is the best GM. But Thank you. his tenure in Detroit, he has not been the best GM compared to Brad Holmes. But Brad Holmes in the draft this year is genuinely impressive. Though, those results have not played out time. yet. And it, it, he's trying to build something long-term. So I'm not okay. – Well, Rabs, I, I – No, I don't I'm think, off. I'm done. No, 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 no. no, no. Was a no crazy, one needs... Trent's wrong. That was a crazy <laughs> take. Well, okay. No one needs to defend what Stevie Y has done. He dra- Stevie Y drafted the Calder, so I'm here. I'm here for it. I go got ahead. it. Go I under I understand it. I guess I was coming at it more from the standpoint of, look what Troy Weaver's done. And I know the Pistons haven't done great to say the least. Jesus, over the last couple of years, but his draft picks have been great, and his free agency signings, at least as far as Boyan Bogdanovich goes, or that that, that was a trade. Forgive me. I'm just saying, Troy Weaver's doing great. The Pistons extended him. I expected nothing less, and it's just kind of nice in a season where the Pistons are completely nosediving, and they're you know not even going to come close to that Vegas over under 23 wins. Uh, what the fuck was it, Rabs? Was it like 28 wins? Wait, it was 25. 25. They're not going to come close. They're eight and 28 right now as we it. record here on a Tuesday. I'll, all all I'm saying is it's just nice to know that your general manager has been doing his job correctly. And I guess it's almost like the contrast of the Dwayne Casey thing. When you look at like, I don't think the the lions, I don't think the Pistons are going to bring back Dwayne Casey past the season, but Troy Weaver on the other hand has completely 
uh, proven himself. So I just, I like the move there. It was kind of a no-brainer. Now, as far as the record-breaking loss goes, and I really don't care to spend a whole lot of time on this because I don't think our listeners care, frankly, but the Detroit Pistons lost to the Clippers in overtime two nights ago. It was an unlikely comeback loss, all this bullshit. Entering Monday when this game was played, teams were two and two, excuse me, I got to get this right. Teams were two wins and 12,873 losses when trailing by 14 or more with three minutes to play. Now, that is since the 90s when all this stuff became, like, trackable and everything. I want to repeat that. Teams were two wins and 12,873 losses when leading, excuse me, trailing by 14 or more by three minutes remaining. So the Clippers did that. The Clippers did that. They, they completely destroyed the Pistons, the young Pistons. And, of course, I got to hop on a toxic app that is Twitter, and I got to hear about how, well, this was a good loss for the Pistons. The Pistons should be losing games to get Victor Wembayama. Because I got to hear, Rabs, I got to hear every single year about how the next draft prospect is going to be the one that's going to save Detroit. And I got to, I, I always got, I got to look forward to the draft every single year. And I'm just, I'm kind of over it. I just wanted to bring it up for the sake of, you know, Isaiah Stewart got to the podium to his credit after the game and just said, hey, that was on us. That's not on the coaching staff because I think Dwayne Casey seats hot. Isaiah Stewart steps to the podium. He says, that's not on our coaching staff. That's on us. We completely choked. We needed that win to get our spirit back, and we didn't do it. Collins, I don't know if you watched any of the game. I personally I did. did not. I don't have any thoughts on the game itself. I just think when you lose a game of those probabilities, that kind of says something about your rebuild and where you are. Pistons are a ways away, man, and it sucks because I'm a guy who stood up here and on this podcast and said the Pistons were going to compete for that you know, I, I definitely thought they were going to get over the 25 wins, Rabs. I thought they were going to compete for, you know, a play-in spot. It ain't happening. They are in the Victor Wembayama sweepstakes. And, 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 and granted, Kate Cunningham's out for the year. But, Collins, I want your thoughts on that game because you watched it. And I just want you to just give your spiel on where the Pistons are at right now. Well, I think the biggest takeaway, and I think Ivy, I think your biggest thing is when you, you want to look at the young players and how they look. So with Ivy, you can see it. You're like, oh, he is physically, he's a strong point guard and, and has the tools to get to the rim almost against everyone. And if he does some work the next couple off seasons, he's going to be a very productive NBA player on the offensive side of the bas- of, of the court. He's got to work some things out defensively. Um, he's still doing some stupid shit that he did at Purdue, but he's a rookie, so... Live and die with that. Um, Jalen Duran, you wanted to see what he's going to be. Um, he's good, and he is a part of their long-term solution. He's better than Stewart now. Like he is a, a guy who should be finishing every game. He should be in your closing five. Um, because especially offensively, right, Collins? I mean, that's no. He's just and, and he's one of those guys where I actually think he could add a little bit more. He's got nice hands. Um. He's had good touch at the free throw line. I think that's a guy who actually could maybe extend his game. I'm not saying he's going to shoot threes, but I could see him getting a little 10-foot game there. Um, and then the other stuff is like, oh, you want to see Cade develop. You want to see Sadiq. You want... One guy who's improved drastically this year, I think, is Isaiah Stewart. He's had a nice year. Um, again, we've said this from the jump, though. Isaiah Stewart is not a, a starting player on a on a good team. 
or a championship team. He's a solid player. He's an NBA player. He's probably been playing this league for a really long time, but he's nothing special. Sadiq Bay was someone that you were expecting to take a step, and he is – I mean, I don't know where his stock is now. People I, – I, I don't know what – I mean, he's been terrible. And, and I'm not saying he's a bad player, but what you thought he was going to be, it's wildly disappointing. Wildly. And Killian got a bunch of shit for the past two years. I still don't think Killian's a good NBA player. I don't care what the numbers say. I have an eye test. Um, I honestly think they're trying to utilize him as much as possible so they can move him. Because, uh, I mean, this is probably the highest value he's had recently. But I, I, I still don't... W- if you like basketball and you watch basketball and you watch Killian, it's like painful. I'm sorry. He's had nice games. The shooting has completely turned around. He's playing with actual confidence now. So he's like, I said earlier in the year, he might be out of the league after this. He's not, he's going to, I mean, he might be on the Pistons bench next year, might be on someone else's bench next couple of years. He's going to be a competent bench player or whatever, but I, I'm not, buying into that other than that i mean me and my cousin actually at christmas shout out to my cousin donovan literally almost at, like in a physical altercation over the troy weaver signing because he was like so rattled that they re-signed him and i was like I, I don't know what you want him to do and then he was like no weaver's not gonna fire if weaver doesn't fire casey this year then i can get on that they have to fire Dwayne casey at the end of the year and I think, yeah, I, I think that's a no brainer. And, and Collins, you and I, I think are on the same page. I think they might phase him into a front office role or something like that. I, I, or whatever he needs to go. Um, and it, it does suck that you're in the way that they're super uncompetitive, but this is like, finally, I mean, no offense to Cade, the year that you're going into the draft the hype was like oh these are some really nice players but it's not a prize draft know what i mean like zion is a prize lebron a prize kevin durant greg odin prizes like guys that if they stay healthy they're going to be awesome and Wimbiana, Wimbiana, and stu jackson are two guys if they stay healthy they're going to be awesome so if you're a pistons fan that is the only thing you can look like positively towards and the Pistons, I, I mean, I think I mean, you look at the record. What do they got? The third worst record in the league? Yeah, something, something like, like that. that. I'll, I'll tell you right now for free. They are the worst NBA team in the league. I'll tell you that. I but oh, okay, Collins. One last thing. My only thought that you just uh, that that you just kind of alluded to is I think I think Scoop is. I, I don't think he's better than Victor Wembayama, but I definitely just think that's at least worth mentioning. Like because it is a lottery system. To where if the Pistons have the worst record in the league and they somehow don't win the lottery, which is entirely possible, that they could end up with a guy like Scoop Jacks or what, what's his name? Scoop, Scoop, Scoop or Scoot? And then it's Scoop. Scoop there, Chocolaka. Either way, I want him. Well, my entire yeah, Scoop Chocolaka. They got to bring that back, by the way, Rabs. But I'm I'm just saying, I I you see that guy's highlights every now and then on Twitter, and I think that's a. And again, I am such a I'm not a draft guy in any single sport, but that's, that's just a basketball has such this nuance of like, you see, you see highlights all the time on, on your timeline. And I just think 
Yes, of course, we'd love Webayama because everyone's talking about that, but Scoot would fit perfectly with this team, I think. And we'll have plenty of time to talk about that. But as we stand right now on a Tuesday at 11.34 p.m., we are burning the midnight oil. Uh, the Pistons are 8-28, and 28, and they're not even close to sniffing a playoff spot. So it's looking like lottery again. But anyways, unless, Collins, unless you got anything else, I, that's all I wanted to mention on the Pistons. I just wanted to – No, I mean, they got to get rid of both. I... People are like, let's keep Bojan. I'm like, uh, okay. I, I mean, they have to make a lot of other moves in the offseason if they're like, okay, after the, like, wh- whoever they get in this lottery, like, we're committed to winning now. If they're like, if they want to take a step like that and they're like, that's why we're keeping Bojan and maybe they re sign Burks because Burks is good. Burks is a good NBA player. Yeah, um, he's he's probably the best player on the team with Kate Hurt. No, I think Bogdanovich is, but. Well, he scores the most points. I think Burks play. I, I don't know. Different Burks is good, though. No, TV. Burks is good. So, yeah. but if they were going to be like, oh, we're getting confident guys and like whatever, we're not going to just let all these young guys do whatever the fuck they want anymore. Because, Rabs, like the opposite of what you talked about, the Tigers, how you think young guys don't get enough opportunities. This Pistons seem the last three years, it's only been young guys getting opportunities. So. Yeah. Uh, at some point, you got to be like, okay, let's fucking do this. So, I mean, I, I, it's what we've been saying a lot, but I mean, I don't care about the Weaver extension. I think this summer, though, like if he doesn't move on from Casey and he doesn't make a smart head coaching like hire, this is his first like bump in the road because so far he's kind of done. Uh, he's done a good job. I want to say he's done a great job. You know what I mean? Nothing crazy. He hasn't sure. like. I think he's drafted exceptionally well. And to your point, Collins, there hasn't really been a whole lot of pressure on the guy because there haven't been that many hardships as far as like what he's expected to do so far. But now, as you enter your third year of about to win less than 20 games, I think you're exactly right. He has to make the right coaching hire. And I guess, Rabs, that's gotta go younger. going into next season. I don't know. They got to go younger. They really do. Yeah, and I don't know if it's someone internally. I have no names for you. If that's I have no it. names either, but they yeah. got to go younger, do something kind of like New Orleans did with Willie Green, guy who, I don't know. I just think they – I the thing about Casey, it's not just that I don't think the players are developing. I There's sometimes – and I had a problem with Casey like earlier in his tenure with the Pistons, the way – like, a guy like Svi Mikhailu, who I thought was like a decent young player and just never got minutes. But when he got minutes, it was always in weird situations. So I feel like the minutes that he gives out sometimes are just don't put young guys in great situations. And the whole thing is that he's a good developer. And like outside of that, like Isaiah Stewart, a guy who's developed, he's worked on this game, got a better jumper. Killian Hayes, he's improved this year. I'll give him credit for that. Um, but other, I, I mean, in Cade this year, I mean, small sample size. I won't say he improved drastically. No. Like, I mean, his shooting was yeah. way down. But um, I, he doesn't have that track record. We had since he's down to the Pistons, they haven't had this huge success story. I don't know. I feel like I'm rambling about the Pistons, but whatever. no, it's worth it because we haven't done it in a long time. But Collins, I'm exactly with you. It's just it's not Dwayne Casey. And we're going to have plenty of time to dissect all of this further and talk about it more in, 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 in something that actually means something here in a little bit because the Pistons are not going anywhere fast. That's for sure. Gotcha. Yep. 
All right, boys. Well, let's stay at uh, let's stay at LCA. We it's also been a while since we've talked about the Red Wings, so we'll get our fix in here today for that as well. Um, if you have been following the Wings as of late, uh, losers of six straight before they take care of business at home with the Tampa Bay Lightning. They beat them seven to four. I gotta say, I'm impressed with with how the Wings have have played the Lightning. I mean, we've we've talked about how as the season goes on and you play more teams in your division, which again, I will say that it is maybe as time has gone on, the Atlantic division is not showing itself as, is one of the best divisions in hockey top to bottom. Um, but I do think with the juggernauts you have up top with the Bruins, Maple Leafs and lightning, um, I would, I would put those teams up against any of the other top teams in any other division uh, 10 times out of 10. So um, as you get deeper into the divisional games, namely playing the Tampa Bay Lightning, who are a back-to-back Stanley Cup champion, almost got it done three times, um, and you take care of them on December 6th, 4-2 to two on the road, and you take care of them at home on Wednesday, December 21st, 7-4. to four. So um, t- two big wins there. Uh, your win against the Lightning snaps your six-game skid. Um, and I think that's, you know, it's – I think the Red Wings, for whatever reason – and and I, I guess I shouldn't say that because of the fact that they haven't been great in the last handful of years. When when these losing skids happen, I think they get magnified because people almost want to retreat back to like, oh, we've seen we've seen this Red Wings team before. There's no improvement. They're dropping games. And sure, six game to lose six games in a row for any team is concerning. Um, I think Buffalo recently dropped a bunch in a row as well. Um, but in reality, when you look at the body of work, I mean, sure, I, I guess the losing streak starts after you beat the Lightning. You drop a game to the Panthers 5-1. But other than that, I mean, you take the Stars to overtime on the road. You lose that one 3-2. You lose to the Capitals on the road 4-3 in overtime. You lose at home to the Hurricanes, who have been on an absolute tear as of late. One of the, if not the best, one of the best defensive hockey teams in the NHL. You lose that one one nothing. Um, other than that, I mean, you'd like to probably forget the game against the Senators at home that you lose six to three, the game against the wild, you lose four to one Magnus Helberg gets his first start back. And I think that was his first start back with the wings. So, um, some things, you know, again, at the end of the day, it's about winning games, but the six game losing skid to me, wasn't so much a, well, this is it. This, the, the team has finally shown their ass. And, and and that's all she wrote. But, you know, you have to kind of look game by game and, and see where things went wrong. So not not all that of a concern to me. I think the win at home against Tampa Bay going into the Christmas break was great. They did have a game against Ottawa that was postponed on the road because of the weather. So they will be back on the ice tomorrow night being Wednesday in Pittsburgh. The next time you'll see them at home is against the Senators on New Year's Eve. Um, but looking at this team as a whole, um, they, they have the Red Wings in, in recent years, I feel like have struggled with this injury bug to the point where, you know, now you're looking at it to where you have two guys in contract years, two premier guys in contract years and Tyler Bertuzzi and Dylan Larkin Bertuzzi has been hurt two times this year. I'm going to go back and look at how many games he's actually played for the team this year. He's played in nine games, um, out of, I think like 32, 33, 34, something like that. Um, between him and Dylan Larkin, who's played in 31 games but had a bit of an injury scare uh, a couple nights ago, um, who's you know fine and in the lineup, but um, it feels like you have not seen this team at full force 
ever. I mean, even including guys like Jacob Verana and Robbie Fabry. I, I would love to to dig some more and do some research into how many games have Larkin, Raymond, Sider, Verana, Fabry, Bertuzzi all played together on the ice because I, I, I think that the number would surprise a lot of people. And the point being of just like this team can't seem to stay healthy all at the same time. Now, the good news is looking at January as we approach 2023, I think you're going to start to see a lot of these guys come back. Jacob Vrana is, is back out of the player assistance program. He's been skating for the last week or so. He was just assigned to Grand Rapids today, I believe today, um, or maybe a couple days ago but he was assigned to Grand Rapids for a conditioning stint so expect him to be back up with the big club in about a week or so Robbie Fabry is skating again it sounds like maybe a, a mid-January return for him uh, mid-January return for Tyler Bertuzzi perhaps you might even see Philip Zadina earlier than that um, you know and then you have like little injuries here and there like Robert Hag is, is, has been in and out of the lineup a bit um, I think he's a little bit banged up, but he'll be back. Mark Pissick was placed on long-term IR as of late, and he should be back at some point in February. Not really a huge player in all of this, but the point being of just like, I, I think that the Red Wings, fingers crossed that everyone stays healthy, but you might see a team mid-January that finally has four lines of, of, of what your team was supposed to be. And where everyone fits into that mix, I don't know. Because if we think back to the beginning of the year, the two guys that were getting healthy scratched on this lineup were Phillips, Adina, and Pew Suter. Pew Suter, you now rely on to play some relatively decent minutes, depending on where he's at in, in the lineup. And, and it, it seems like Derek Lalone has put the lines in a blunder a bit as of late. And I guess when you don't have Tyler Bertuzzi, who – you usually feel comfortable as that mainstay on the first line. I th I think that's, you know, it just kind of a product of circumstance from that regard. I, I would still probably tell you that Dylan Larkin, Lucas Raymond, and Tyler Bertuzzi is your best fit together as a top line. I know Dominic Kubalik and David Perron have both made some pretty strong cases for being on that top line. Um, and I would, and I, I totally understand that as well. Not that not that Perron, Larkin, and Kubalik play together all that much as far as that whole line is concerned. Um, but, you know, it, it, I get frustrated at times when you, you look at the lineup one night and Michael Rasmussen's the center on the third, fourth line, and the next night he's playing wing on the first line. I don't, I don't know if that's like a panic button thing or they're just trying to see what they have in some other guys to mix it up because, like I said, the reality of the situation, come mid-January, this team for the first time in a long time might have everyone back and you haven't had, the, you haven't had Mark Pissick the entire year. So I'm not even looking at a guy like that who will still be on the injury sheet until February, but it's, it's going to be nice to see. And then you're going to have to make your decision with Mark, with Magnus Helberg, um, you know, and, and with the question marks around him of like, why was he brought back? Was it a slight to Ned, whatever, honestly, when you have as many guys hurt as the Red Wings do, you have spot. You have a spot for a third goalie to be brought up, and it, that's. I mean, that's kind of what they've done with them. I mean, he's only played in like one or two games, and that has not been good at all this year. And he's been given plenty of chances. I'm going to look exactly of, of how many games he's played. Um, he's played in nine games. He's he's two four and two with a four oh nine goals against average and an eight eight oh save percentage, which is, which is just not good enough. So really, as far as the backup position is concerned, I don't think it should matter to anyone who it is. If Steve Eiserman wants to showcase Ned and let him get game so 
maybe somewhere down the line, a team will look at him at the deadline and go, Hey, we can use the goaltending depth. We'll take him fine. Um, but the bottom line is Billy Huso is going to give you the best chance to win. That hasn't changed at all. in in the past weeks, months, whatever. So, um, you know, yeah, tough losing skid, but I think they're all right. Um, in, in the Atlantic division is in this just really weird limbo of, if you look at, for example, let, let's stay in the same conference. And if you look at the metropolitan division and, and to me, what tells the whole story of what this, where this Red Wings team is at the metropolitan division, as far as goal differential is concerned, only the bottom two teams in that division have a negative goal differential and it's bad. The flyers are in second to last place in that division. They have 29 points. They're in minus 29 goal differential. The Blue Jackets are in dead last in that division, minus 46 goal differential with 22 points. In the Atlantic, you have these teams that go from, I mean, besides the top three, the Bruins at 57 points, the Leafs at 50, the Lightning at 41, you have the Red Wings, Sabres, Panthers, Senators, and Canadiens all within two points of each other which is crazy. I mean, everything else is kind of locked up too. in a lot of these other divisions, like everything's close, but the metropolitan division as a whole, the depth is a lot better. These teams that are locked up in the middle have a handful more points than they do in the Atlantic. The bottom two teams suck, but the, the Atlantic's just really locked up and you have, I mean, the Canadian senators, Panthers and wings all have a negative goal differential and they are miles better than in my opinion, than some of these teams at the bottom of the barrel in the metropolitan. So um, the story to me gets told where you're looking at the Red Wings in fourth place with a minus seven goal differential. And it just goes to show like when you look at these games where they're losing, you know, they're losing to the Senators six to three, they're losing to the wild four to one. Um, even in games like one, nothing to Carolina, this team is not yet good enough defensively to, or I'm sorry, offensively to compensate for their lack of defense. And I think that's the one thing that needs to get honed in. And I don't know if it's like a, it just, you know, some guys haven't been performing up to the standard. Like most cider right now, I think is a minus 12 on the year or a minus 15 minus 14, excuse me, Ben Sherratt, who you signed as this like defensive defenseman mainstay on that top pair as a minus 13, which is just not good enough against your league's top lines. And all that happening when you have a guy like Dylan Larkin, where everyone likes to rag on Dylan Larkin. He's not good enough to be a number one center. Well, your first D pair has a minus 14 and minus 13 rating, respectively. Your first line center is a plus seven. So, I mean, that to me, like credit to Dylan Larkin for his play. He's got 31 points in 31 games. Thank you very much. So I, it's just the, the offensive production still is like, when are they going to turn that corner? And and you've had some great surprises in Dominic Kubalik and David Perron. Like, these are guys that make the offense cook. But you don't have Jacob Vrana, who's a guy that can put the puck in the net. You don't have Robbie Fabry, who has been a has been a pretty steady point producer for your team, playing in your top six in the last two to three years. Um, you know, Lucas Raymond with 18 points in 32 games it has kind of been up and down this year. Andrew Kopp, 18 points in 32 games. Not a guy that you're looking to be really a point per game guy, but just a little bit behind pace of of where he was last year. So. The offense is still kind of looking for that for that little kick to churn a bit, but I think it's coming when they get these guys back. But like I said, they, they're not going to be able to outproduce their their deficiencies on defense. So, 
Um, that to me is the story right now and, and just being a little bit tighter and, and having some more structure to their game defensively. But, you know, to have a minus seven goal differential and still be in that mix of the top three to four teams in your division, they find ways to win sometimes in these tight games, or at least they're getting points, you know, on the two overtime game, the two overtime losses that I mentioned, but um, it, it's still a team worth keeping eyes on. And can I tell you that this team's going to make the playoffs at this point, I mean, you, you can't, you definitely can't have another losing streak like you just did because, like I said, the Metropolitan Division, all those teams are knotted up after like the top team, which is Carolina right now. All those teams are knotted up around like 43 to 45 points, which is 10 points better than all the teams that are you're knotted up with is the Red Wings in the Atlantic. So if you're going to try to push for a wild card spot, you got to win some games and it's not going to be easy because you're going to see the Leafs, you're seeing the Leafs twice coming up. In, in, in their upcoming schedule. I mean, you're going to have to play the Devils, who have been one of the league's hottest teams. They've cooled off a bit. You're seeing the Panthers again, the Golden Knights. I mean, there's there's some tough games coming up here. So um, we'll see what the Wings have come January. I think once, you know, once this lineup's a bit more patched up, we can have a, a greater conversation of what this team actually is. And there's still plenty of time left this year to to make some noise. So um, all is well on that front. I don't think there's anything that should be, you know, there's no reason to cry over spilled milk at this point with this team but um you know definitely got to get back on track here and it starts tomorrow against against pittsburgh so that's all i have for wings talk for the week now that we're back on track with that do you guys have anything to add before we do the lions no i'm just i'm i'm preemptively sad why because you don't think they'll be able to finish the season strong no, because oh, we're about to start talking, talking about the Lions. He's talking about oh. the Lions. That's what he's talking about. That's what he's getting at. Okay. All right. Well, let's do it. Trent, you were there. Lions 23, Panthers 37. Um, It was – I mean, like, I don't know. Like, it, it – it was never close. What do you – like, Like what? what's the – Right. It was, it was never close. My – I – it's crazy how I set this up last week when I talked about it because my my big talking point before this game was like, as Lions fans, there's always that. I literally said it last week. As Lions fans, there's always that part in your brain that's like waiting for the collapse, waiting for the letdown, waiting for the, is this too good to be true? And I made the declaration, and I've said this team is different all year. I still believe that, but. I made the declaration that, yes, this team is different. The letdown spot is not coming. If they lose, they're going to be in it, which was the complete opposite of what happened on Saturday. So I've made this comment on the Motown rundown way earlier in the year when they were on their one and six swing to start the season. That Dan Campbell made it a point to say in the locker room during the hard knocks, and he pulls up the old pair of pants that are full of dust. And he goes, we got to shake the last bit of losing out of it. And it's still there. So, like, maybe this was a, a learning lesson for me that no matter how good, and I don't mean to jump ship. I'm not, jump, I'm not jumping ship. I'm just being real with you. No matter how good the Lions seem, no matter how crisp and purified the Kool-Aid is, this is a all-time loser shitbag franchise, and you will always be that until you win a Super Bowl. So 
you have to always keep yourself in check. It's like the old cliche of if you were to write down the five biggest cliches of coaches telling young athletes, never too high, never too low. And I'm guilty of being too, too, too low. And I started to let myself get too high and I got kicked in the nuts. So you have to keep a level head. That's on me for jumping ship and telling you, hey, this team's different. There is no letdown spot coming. There is no light at the end of the tunnel. This is how this team's going to well, be. There is, gonna, a, there is not if, a light at the end of the tunnel, to be if honest. If they're going to lose, if they're going to lose the Carolina, they're going down swinging. And I think I even went as this far as say it's not going to happen. They're not going to lose. So I'm not angry. I'm not upset. I'm more so like I know better. I know better, and I have to wear that. That, as I said, no so, matter wait, how. Wait, good, wait, 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 Rebs. So you're yeah. not angry. You're not upset. So on Saturday when you're watching Deontay Foreman run through holes that a fucking mat truck could have <laughs> ran through. By you the way. You upset. You okay, well, I knew I because I you did I, not know. Shut the fuck up. I what knew are you talking about. Well, I the point. My point is. My point is. As I said, this is this is no matter you can't escape it. Like this is the worst sports franchise on the face of the earth. So no matter how good the Kool Aid tastes, you have to you have to listen to that part of your brain that's like it could be gone in an instant. You could have it all taken away. And it was on sit now. The season's not over, and we'll get into that. But as far as this game is concerned, it was a crushing loss. And the fact that it was never close, like Trent said, was a Christmas Eve, Christmas Day ruiner. Well, can we brutal. talk about can we talk about the reason it was a crushing loss? The reason it was a crushing loss is because the Detroit Lions are finally seven and seven. They're finally back to 500. Got three games to play. Got a playoff spot to play for. Control their own destiny. Everything. All that good. Everything is in front of them, right? You look you, you win that game. By the way, we find out the Seahawks lost, the Commanders lost, the Giants lost. Yes, the Packers won, but if the Lions would have just won that game, nothing means anything. I mean, the, the, sure. the Lions the Lions have a playoff spot right now if they put that graphic up on the TV uh, for, for Thursday Night Football, wherever the next – whenever the next time they're going to put the big playoff graphic on the picture. Like, the Lions would have a spot. So that's why – it's such a crushing loss. And you also lose to a team in Carolina that I think, correct me if I'm wrong, was five and nine going into the game, Rabs. Yeah, not good. They were five, five and, and nine. nine. <laughs> and that division sucks. And the Panthers, credit to them, took care of business. It was never close. It was never close. And you question what the two teams are playing for. And, you know, we can go all day about this and that and Dan Campbell versus Steve Wilkes and all this and that. Dan Campbell said after the game, that was an absolute ass kicking. I take blame for it. I didn't have the guys ready to go. And and I know I'm going to foreshadow the whole thing here because we're going to get into the Chicago Bears game as we do the picks. But this team's not going to lay another egg. It's just not. And it sucks. Yes, it sucks that I personally was there for it. I drove. I didn't personally drive. My dad drove. Shout out to my dad. Drove 12 hours down south to sit in the cold that we thought would be the warmth and watch that ass kicking. That's what sucks. But Collins, to your point about Deontay Foreman running through holes that trait that, that, that freight trains could drive through. That was a thing for them. 
on the Panthers, like big screen, their graphic, every time Deontay Foreman got a first down, it was like the, the, the Foreman train or something like that. It was like the, they had like a big logo for it. It was pretty cool. They also had that. And then they had the, uh, what, what's, who's their defensive player? Help me out. He's a really great player. Number 53. Luke, Ke- Luke Keekley. No, 50. <laughs> no, no. Ryan Burns. Ryan Burns. He's, he's Burns man. So the Spider-Man or spider burns or something like that i don't know they got a big spider-man thing with him i don't know he played great the lions sucked jared goff i will say the one silver lining was that jared goff played great in that game he threw for over 300 yards three touchdowns basically killed the narrative that Collins and i were talking about earlier in the year which is that goff cannot throw in the cold so as long as that is eliminated i'm not worried as far as week 18 in green bay comes if it really comes down to that I'm confident golf will show up, but we'll take it day by day. I don't know. Basically, where you're at right now is the Detroit Lions don't control their own destiny anymore. Not like they did before. They needed help before. But I'm just simply saying, and then Collins, I'll get you in with some thoughts on the game here in a second. But it's just like, now you got to win out, and we'll just see what happens. If the Lions are 9-8 and eight and they make the playoffs – Good for them for starting one and six and rallying the troops and getting to this point. That is a massive step for Dan Campbell in this regime. If they're nine eight and they don't make it, and you got to look back at this Panthers game, I so what? I, I don't really think I'm going to lose that much sleep over it. To be honest with you, if the Lions finish nine and eight this season and don't make the playoffs, that's just bad luck. And Collins, what are your thoughts on the game? I know that we're talking about the fact that they just were completely unready, got emasculated by a bad football team, like a legit bad football team, and then bitched about the fucking field conditions. That's your quarterback, bro, not mine. Well, hang on. I don't think he was making Hold on. I did give him a chance. Collins is going to get mad because I'm back and forth on golf. I'm week to week on golf. I love Jared Goff. Rebs, you've literally gone three sitsy like six different times about golf. I'm week to week. You've literally like I won't watch another game he starts, and then the next week you're like, I actually like him for the next couple of years. So never too high, never too low. I understand. Okay. I'm just I, I what's called whatever. I it was and I'm gonna say it, and I hate that people get pissed off that people say this. Just guess what? It was SOL. It was. And you know, everyone wants to say it was lazy. That's going to be the main point of this podcast then, because I hate that. I hate it. I'm that guy that hates it. Well, well, no, why you shouldn't hate it is they have never proven it wrong. And, and Rab said it earlier. Until They don't even have to win a Super Bowl until they win a playoff game and they keep putting themselves and they have opportunities to butt that trend, to uh, I, and guess what? It was very uncharacteristic of the Alliance franchise to go six and seven, and, and get yourself back to five hundred. I'm not saying it's and, and, and the vibes around this locker room seem a lot different, but at the same time, in a big spot when everyone's pumping their tires, the Lions let us down. Okay, so and that and that, and, that, and that is SOL. I'm sorry and. I said this before, that used to be SOS, same old Spartans, until Mark D'Antonio, and they won a Rose Bowl. They beat teams they were supposed to beat. Until you actually accomplish something, you'll never lose that tag. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. 
What about the Lions beating the Vikings two weeks ago? Is that not is that not is that not a team that you're not They've supposed to beat? They've done that before. They've done that before. They because they play team. them twice a year. I guess what I'm what I what I'm saying is this to me. I, I and I'm not Collins. I'm not. This is not a personal shot at you. I think anyone who says anything about SOL regarding that game is it's just kind of like shortcut out. Like people who. People who necessarily, and I'm not again, Collins. I'm not saying you. No, no, I hear people, you. People who wanted to see the Lions fail. People who were like, "Oh, you guys are all excited. It's really cute that you guys are all excited about the Lions." Oh, oh, SOL. They lost. All they did was lose a game. I understand they looked well, terrible. They looked terrible. But starting one and six, that's SOL. Coming back from one and six to go seven and seven. That is the least SOL thing you could possibly do. I, and the fact that we're even talking about the playoff chances with this team, that in the essence is not SOL. I understand the week-to-week thing, Colin, so I get that. Yes, losing to the Panthers when you should beat that team and you get absolutely creamed. It's not like golf throws a late interception or like there's a late fumble. It, or was something. Hum- it was humiliating. It was a humiliation. By a Sam Darnold-led Panthers team, who was their I'm third pretty sure starting Sam Darnold didn't throw a pass for like maybe a quarter and a half. And that's fair. So from that standpoint, sure, it's SOL. But I, I, I'm sorry. I just deny the. I deny the but argument you, that I, like they had to win a big game and they didn't do it because I think they want. They've won big games the last six weeks. They've gotten back to this point. They beat the Giants on the road. Who at the time were seven and three. They beat the Vikings at home by 11 when everyone was saying, you know, this is the game where they come back to earth. So I think this team, it's a little different. But, yes, I guess Collins, in a nutshell, in a, in a snow globe for the spirit of the season, that was SOL to lose to the, to, to, to well, the Panthers in the fashion they did. Well, Trent, I, I know what you're saying because I think your judgment of the SOL thing is because – We've always talked about this. There's two bases of Lions fans, and there's no in between. You're either a Lions psychopath like Trent and Rabs over here, <laughs> who will literally fight someone if they like make one negative comment every once in a while. And then you have the other people who are like my father, who's like, Why do you root for them? SOL, pessimistic. But while they're watching the game, they're fucking yelling at the TV, like, We're rooting for the team. So they're just like, It's like a snuff them film for these guys it's insane so i get why trent gets mad because yeah honestly those are i literally want to punch my dad in the face sometimes when i watch lions games <laughs> with them. i do because he and, and i hope he's listening right now i hope you hear me in the other room because it's infuriating because he acts like he doesn't like the team and then gets on my case because i there's nothing wrong with rooting for your team there's nothing wrong with being optimistic i'm optimistic about the lions every single week but we come back and break down these games and you break down this franchise. Everything went right for the Lions on Saturday, except them taking the field and putting forth an effort that was comparable to an NFL team. Okay, so see, that's fair. That's fair. That's where I got more rebuttable. I got nothing for you. That's fair. That's I'm just fair. saying, and, and you may, Trent, I'm not saying them coming back and getting to 7-7 seven and seven and having an opportunity to the playoffs is uncharacteristic. No, it's not uncharacteristic for this line. This season franchise. is so fucked. <laughs> God. You Why have an it? opportunity to get into a playoff spot against a team that is fired their head coach 
They've had change. They just lost to the Steelers, who I don't think are very good. And you get physically dominated. You're not ready to play. It's just, and guess what? I will say this. I'm not going to be, I, I don't want to be too harsh on the, the team in general and this year-to-year team. Dan Campbell can't do anything about what happened in the past, like, 90 years. I'm not saying that. And, and I do think the Lions were due for a letdown spot. Was I disappointed that it was on Sunday? I was thinking maybe it would be that Bears game. Maybe maybe that Packers game doesn't mean anything or something. You know what I mean? Like, I could... The fact that they just laid an egg in a basically a playoff game and the way it was happened was disheartening and deflating. And that's what SOL is. Every time this team gets your hopes up, they break your heart. And they broke my heart on Saturday. They I, I, and that that is my logic to that point. But in general, I mean this team, I still they can still make the playoffs. Like it's not yeah, everything happened that they needed to happen. The problem is and I can. I already have impending doom thinking about it. Is the Lions have to go to Lambeau Field probably on Sunday Night Football to get a playoff spot? And the thing is, Washington has to lose a game. I think Washington's going to give us a game. I don't know if they lose this week. I don't know what happens there. Um, I don't trust Carson Wentz or Taylor Heineke to win the next two games for the Washington Commanders. So if the Lions go two and zero, I truly believe they're going to make the playoffs. The problem is the big bad man is staring you right in the face on Week 18, and it's probably going to be a primetime game in Lambeau. And I don't feel one bit good about it. And if they win, if they would have won this week, I think if they would have went one and one down the stretch, they would have been in pretty good shape because I don't. I, it doesn't really matter, but I don't know. I, I, if they, if they would have won on Saturday, we would have been on here throwing candy in the parade. It would have been great. I want to say one thing before we get Rab's thoughts, because Collins, you laid it out perfectly. It was a masterclass, Ryan Collins, psychology of Lions fans. He's very good at that. He, he's, he's, he's incredible at it, and that's why I love him to death. Aaron Rodgers is waiting, okay? He's waiting on the doorstep right now. Of every Grim Reaper, peachy Detroit Lions fan like I'm myself, praying that they lose to the Vikings this he, week. He's already yeah. laughing at me. Well, they're, they're here's gonna the win, thing. dude. It's they're Kirk Cousins win. is playing at 425. I feel bad for that guy. He's got to go out there and play at 425 in Lambeau Field. We'll see what happens. But I'm just saying, you did know Kirk what? Cousins did some credit every once in a while. <laughs> yeah, he's a Spartan. Yeah. Go green. I will say Girl this. Hates Kirk Cousins. Here's the thing. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers is waiting, and you know what? You wanted the best, you got the best. If you're the Lions right now, and, and I feel like Dan Campbell when I'm even saying this, I, I haven't had any coffee. Are I you about to you. say you want Rodgers? I I he do, does. Collins. I want him. I want all he the stuff. I mean, it's not it, – I, I, I get your sentiment, and you say, hey, it would be – Bring be. him. Because you know how much it would mean – what what a, what a statement it would be for this team to beat him week 18. That would be something that would not be SOL. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That, exactly. And I am all about the non-SOL narrative, and I'm yeah. pushing it to it. I'm pushing it with every ounce of every fiber in me. So I'm just saying, you wanted the best, you got the best. And it's looking I, like I, because Tagovailoa decided to throw three picks in the fourth quarter. It's looking like Aaron Rodgers is going to be standing in your way between you and the playoffs. And granted, if the Lions make the play, I want to make something perfectly clear. If the Lions make the playoffs, they're not going to be like 
favor to do anything. It's more just like the step of making. No, the they made the playoffs. playoffs. It's a successful year, and sure. most times, and most times, if you make the playoffs and you like don't win a playoff game, you could be like whatever. But for this year, they weren't expected to do anything like that. They made the playoffs. It's by the way, I think it's been a successful year in general already. I do too. I, I do think too. like. We could talk Double about that on a larger title. scale. I think this has been a successful year. But like you said, Trent, if you want to build blocks on this franchise and kind of get the star tissue off and, and create a new type of culture, getting into the playoffs would be huge for this team, especially with the help you're going to get in the draft this year. So, um, by the way, fuck off, Baker Mayfield. What the hell? I, I mean, <laughs> yeah, it is yeah. In, I mean – can't I lost so him. much money on that guy in Carolina thinking he was going to have a good year this year, and he just throws to the Rams, and now they're just rolling. So that's yeah. awesome. Thanks, Russell Wilson. You've broken <laughs> my heart like a million different times in college. Now, I mean, just unbelievable. Um, Yeah, I mean, the thing about it, too, Trent, and Ravs, I'll let you jump in here because I've been talking for a while. Um, I, I don't think Green Bay is very good. It, it's just a psychological thing. Yeah. And, and I'm fine with you. Like, oh, Brian Rogers. Like, if you watch that Miami, Rogers, I mean, other than that one touchdown he threw to Mercedes Lewis, which is maybe one of the best throws I've seen this entire year, um, he's not the same guy. He's just not. And he doesn't have the same weapons he's had. In the offensive line, I feel like everybody's injured every other week. So um, I, I, I'm fine with that. But I mean, it just feels like we're watching the same movie sometimes. And I don't know. We'll see. I, I and, and what my point was before that, like the Lions still have a good opportunity. The, the season's not over, but the way that they lost kind of felt like it at like kind of brought doubt that I was like, maybe they lose to the bears next week because guess what? The bears can run the football. Yeah, that's fair. And last thing, Collins, last thing. I promise is the last thing. Let Rabs go. I, I, I had nothing left to say. All I was going to say was I just – I you're right. You're exactly right. We have seen this movie before with Aaron Rodgers, the psychological edge. It is what it is. And until the Lions prove us wrong, which, you know, if they were to beat the Packers week 18, that would be a 2-0 season against the Packers, and you'd probably make the playoffs. And then, then, we, then going into next year, you can change some of those narratives. But as of now, those narratives are still there. So that's all you got. That I don't know. That's all I got, Ravs. Well, I'm going to do three. First of all, this is – I think this is one of our best Lions discussions in a while, and I think it's a good spot to to really dig deep here and take our time. So before we get into the Bears, I want to do three things. I'm going to validate, I'm going to expand, and I'm going to ponder. I want to validate everything that Ryan Collins said about this team being SOL. I want to expand on what Trent said or build upon whatever adjective, verb I used. I want to build upon what you said about what this – potential Lions Packers showcase means to the Lions and as a whole. And then I want to ponder on the big, the big picture question of if a happens, if B happens, if C happens, was this a successful season to Collins's point about this team being SOL we, the, the whole week coming in and Trent, you laid it out beautifully last week when we talked about all the things that had to happen for, as you said, when they show that graphic on Thursday night football, what has to happen for the Lions to be in that graphic of this team is in the playoffs? And every single thing you needed to happen happened except the job you had to do. 
And not only did you not do the job you had to do, you embarrassed yourself on TV. You didn't even show up. So, so the commanders lose, the giants lose, the Seahawks lose. I know the Packers won, but they're really in my mind, not in the picture until they're in the picture and the lions lost as well. So if you win that game, and, and you're in the driver's seat now for the rest of the year where, where you're really not playing with, I, I really don't feel like you're playing with all that pressure. If you beat Carolina, you have now gone out there, showed your ass, and you are going to be scratching and clawing until the last game of the season against Green Bay, which I'm going to tell you right now, they're going to beat Minnesota this week, and they're going to have to play you in week 18 or whatever, and this is where it comes down to, to you facing your you you getting on the roller coaster, getting on the airplane, looking that spider in the face, looking that your biggest fear, your boogeyman in Aaron Rodgers. You're gonna have another crack at a last week winner take all, winner gets in showdown. That is Colin said, you have never won that game. It's never gone your way in the past. And Aaron Rodgers has been your kryptonite since we were in diapers, it feels like. And now is your chance where they're ripe for the – the whole division is ripe for the picking. And you have Aaron Rodgers, who, as Colin said, is really not himself. He doesn't really have any weapons. And now I think Christian Watson's hurt or one of those guys is hurt. Um, they're, they're, they're not the Packers that everyone – the big, bad Packers that everyone's afraid of. But it's still Aaron Rodgers. So to me, Trent, when we want to talk about things of like you want to talk about like a program win or a putting SOL to bed, I really do believe that the Lions will take care of business this week. I think the Packers will win. And you're going to be looking at, for whatever reason, this Week 18 game is going to matter whether you get in or you don't. And this is going to answer a lot of questions to me about what this Lions team is. What has this one and six to seven and seven to seven hang on, and eight. Hang on, to eight hang on, hang on. Isn't the floor for that already pretty high? Because I think I think for the Lions to start one and six and finish se- at least at the ba- at worst that's, seven and ten, I feel like the floor is pretty high for what this team is. That's my that's my ponder at the end here when it's all said and done. So, but for the the for the sake of conversation, you're gonna make sense of what all this was from the one and six to seven and seven to seven and eight, eight and eight, nine and eight or eight and eight to eight and nine. Cause that to me is a huge difference because if this team is able to somehow they beat the bears at home, which they should. And I think they will. And then they have to go to Lambeau in a game. That's probably going to get flexed to Sunday night football. And you go in there and you beat Aaron Rodgers and you punch your ticket and you just, you smack him in the face. And once and for all, you, you, you wave bye-bye to the ghost and you move on, you know, you move on with life. That, to me, is a monumental step in the trajectory of where this team is going. Now, if you lose that game to Aaron Rodgers, I come away from that before we do big picture. I come away from that and go, wow, what a fun ride. I'm glad they played hard, but they're not there. Like, they're they're still not there. Because that's a game that you would think – the way that we talk about this team, it's a different team. They're playing good football. The offense clicks. Their defense plays inspired sometimes. They can beat the Packers. They can beat – if that's really true, they will get the job done in Lambeau. If Dan Campbell is this 
leader of men. Because that, to me, a week 18 winning you're in, that is what Dan Campbell was brought here to do. It's when your back's against the wall and it's week 18 and everyone's hurt and tired and dealing with injuries and you're in a big spot. It's not about the stats and the talent. It's about what you have inside here as I pound my chest. So if Dan Campbell is what we think he is, he will get everything out of his team that goes back to week zero in training camp and OTAs about the kneecaps and the shaking the dirt out. All that stuff comes to fruition in week 18 against the team that's got a quarterback who's a diva and fights with his receivers and calls his team out in post-game conferences. That's where the Lions should prevail. And if they don't, then this whole pedestal that we've put this team on, it goes up in flames. And that's not to say, as we get to the ponder, that's not to say that this was a lost season and it was not a success because you would be an absolute imbecile if you look at this team that was one and six, dead in the water, same old Lions, fire Dan Campbell, nobody cares about the rah-rah. If you look at one and six to this team going seven and ten at worst, with all they've been through, and you can't take a little bit away from that, I think you're an idiot. But with that being said, no matter what happens at the end of this year, whether they're 9-8, and 8-9, and 7-10, whatever it is, we all have to agree that you factually cannot, you cannot miss the playoffs next year. Because if you do, then this is just like every other fucking coaching regime that we've seen in our lifetime. It's the smoke and mirrors. It's the, they just are what they are and they're not getting any better. They cannot miss the playoffs next year, no matter what. Because if the worst you are is seven and 10. Well, I think that's fair. Is that not fair? fair? I think that's that's fair. If they miss the playoffs next year. That's Rebs, that is very fair. I would agree with that. I do not think that's the discussion we should be having for this week. (laughs) (laughs) That's why it's the ponder. It's the big picture. Big picture. It's the Christian ponder. But that's it. Just don't. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, that's like, that's it to me. And we don't, we we can leave that as it may be and let, and then try. I feel like you're eager to get in so it can be food for thought. No, no. I've said, I've said my piece. I don't want to. Completely Are you guys? Like, I'm like slightly concerned this week. By the way, guys, well, we should I, be. Sure, sure, I am because it's sure. sure. It, it's it's every game is a playoff game. If you lose, you're out. And I have I've been sucked. You guys know I started the season high on my high horse. I thought they were going ten and seven. That was my prediction. You both said eight and nine. That's looking more likely than ten and seven. Ten and seven is impossible. But I will say <laughs> this. I will say this. Every game's a playoff game from here on out. So, of course, I'm going to be disappointed if they lose the Bears. And, of course, to your point, Collins. No, 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 no. I'm scared. I just, I don't know. Well, and, and of course, I'm scared, too. I'm scared because I think the spread is way too big. And I just, it it's a weird feeling knowing that everyone has faith in this team except perhaps the fan base. So, I guess we can get into it, Rabs, unless you have anything left. No, let's, let's do it. Let's do game. it. Lions Lions are hosting the Bears on Sunday at Ford Field. It is New Year's Day, and what a way it would be to bring in the new year with a Lions victory. The spread right now for this game, the Lions are a six-point favorite at home. The over-under is at 52. Um, 
I, the bears have found, and I know it, it really hasn't shown up maybe in the final scores of some of their games, but they found a little bit of something in Justin Fields. And the last time you played the bears on the road at their place, there were some times where it looked a little bit hairy. Um, I think that team has a long, long way to go, but something to me, I, I don't know. I don't know if this team has it in them to want to play spoiler. I don't know. But with that being said, I, I, this is Collins is, is valid in saying that he's a little bit scared for this game. I get it. Um, I look at this game. You're coming back home after an ass whooping on the road, playing a bears team that, yeah, sure. I think most, most people, they're, around the, they're actively tanking. Most people around the league would probably tell you they stink. And, and despite the little bit of glimpses you see from Justin Fields, but to be a six point favorite at home, over this Bears team who you played, I mean, when you played them last time, you played them tight. What was the final score of that game? I mean, they, I mean, the Bears gave that game away. Fields 31 away. to 30. Yeah, no, I want to, yeah. I want to put this out there because Rabs, I think it goes along with what you're saying. Justin Fields, the last time these two teams play, he threw for 167 yards and two touchdowns. Granted, he threw a pick six to Jeff Okuda, but he also rushed for 147 and two touchdowns, right. two rushing Which, touchdowns. So I mean, they the Bears were in control of that game. Yeah, yeah, they were in control of that game. So, given that prior knowledge, I'm looking at this this six point spread here. I'm going to take the Lions because I just feel like there's like it, it it really does feel like it's too big. But I'm going to take the Lions minus six. I'm going to take the over. I think you're going to see a very similar score to last time. So I'll take the over fifty two, and I'll take the Lions. I, I am putting all my I just they just need to win. Just win the game. I'm putting my chips on the table because Collins is right. You have every right coming off of last week and everything that was said on this podcast about what this franchise is. You have every right to be scared. And there's that little part of me, that part of my brain that I ignored going into Carolina. It's back. And I'm going to be tight the whole game. And I'm going to be in Chicago, ironically, watching this game with my friends before we head back home to Michigan. And it would be, it would ruin, I mean, I, I just can't, I just need, if God is listening, the Lions can lose to Green Bay. I'll deal with that when it happens. I can't, it can't end now. I just get me back home and allow me to just, I, I just need the win. Get me back home to Michigan with the win and we'll deal with it next week. But that's, well, those are my pets. The, there's the Kelly Collins camp, as I like to say, where he's thrown up to me and goes, Ryan, what if they, it might not be a bad thing if they lose this week because, the Bears would jump the Rams, and we could possibly get Jalen Carter. And I almost I literally like pounded my dad, but I was like, <laughs> "I mean, it's insane." I mean, whatever. I mean, it is what it is. I the only reason I am concerned is you saw like Herbert's back for the Chicago Bears, who's been a nice piece for them. Montgomery's a solid running back. Fields did kind of tear you up, but he did lose them the game. No, but like when Fields was yeah. right, he did kind of tear up the Lions' offense. I mean, defense. Excuse me. Um, at the end of the day, the Bears are tanking. This would objectively hurt them if they won this football game. So I do think they'll go out of the way to not put their best foot forward. It's just up to the Lions not to screw it up. And unless and, and the X factor is Fields because I know Trent's not the highest on Fields. I, he is. I don't know what he's going to be, but he's at the stage of his career, athletic-wise, where he could just fuck shit up. You know what I mean? And just have, like, 
there's been a couple plays this season. I forgot what it was last week where they yeah, he, he had an split. amazing touchdown run last week. Yeah, like he just has the capability of doing some crazy shit. So I I'm that is my only worry. I, I'm gonna take the Bears a cover because oh. other than that Jads game, have we like really blown anyone out? I the the, mm. the commanders a little bit. Yeah, no, they did, they did. So I mean they've they've shown against inferior opponents the ability to do that. I do think the defense will play better this week. I, I mean it's impossible to play as bad. That is the worst I've ever seen an NFL team get ran on. Like I've seen college teams like uh when like Alabama plays an inferior opponent or like Ohio State, like know what I mean, where they just have better dudes. In the mm-hmm. NFL, I've never seen something like they saw on Saturday from the Lions. So I expect them to have a much better game. I don't think Deshaun Elliott's playing, which everyone was pointing towards being like a massive, massive loss. I get he's your leading tackler. It does not excuse the fact that they ran for like 330 yards. Not at but, all. So I, it's like, it is what it is. So I, I, I like the Lions and win the football game. I think it's going to be close. I actually think it's going to be under. I think they already played their high scoring game this year. I think you'd expect a tight, well, 17 to 10 Lions win. Not I'm 17, 17 14. <laughs> I'm flipping. I'm going to the under. You talk me into it. I'm on the under, too. Okay, well, I was going to take the under, but in the spirit of this being a competitive segment, and it really isn't, but I'll just – I'll take the over. I'm going to take the Lions. I'm going to take the over. Now, I hate both. I hate both. <laughs> I think it's going under, so I'm taking the over, and I also think the spread's way too big. But I again, I keep going back to this, and there, there, there's way too many reasons for me not to be confident in the Lions this week. And I know that sounds crazy, but Dan Campbell, guys, what is one thing we can all agree on that this guy does well? He is a motivator. Mouthpiece. And look, this team laid an egg in Carolina, and unfortunately, yeah, I was there for it. They're not laying an egg these last two games. I don't care what anyone says. It's not happening. They're going to at least play a competitive football game against the Chicago. You think the Chicago Bears are going to walk in here and make it a 42 to 14 game? No, that ain't happening. It's just not going to happen with what's on the line. And and I say, I'd say I'd actually say the same against the Packers in week 18, but we'll cross that bridge and we come to it. I think the Lions play a competitive game. I think the defense plays well. This is a game where I look at Hutch Hutch kind of has this weird thing going this rookie year, by the way, where he'll like have one great game and then he'll disappear for two. Yeah, he's like a he's like a, a superhero, like he's an yeah. invisible man, and he's there. Sometimes you see him, sometimes you don't. So, so in the spirit of that, Rabs, I'll put the bat signal in the air. I'll put the I'll put the Hutch signal in the air. I think Hutch has a good game against Call the Bears. Dogs. I mean, he did the last time the Lions played the Bears, and that's kind of what jump started this whole thing. I know they beat the Packers the week before, but. Beating the Bears after being down by as many as they were, that's what really pumped some wind into the sails of this Lions team that is now 7-8, and eight. and that leads me to my next point. I just – I give me – what Rab said. Give me this team 8-8 eight and eight with everything on the line in Lambeau, and whatever yeah. happens, I will – Live with it. I fucking promise you this team started one and six. I will live with whatever happens yeah. if this team is eight and eight and goes to Lambeau with a chance at a playoff spot. I'll live with it. Give I'll sleep Lambeau. fine as long as there's no referee screw job. I will sleep <laughs> fine. So, okay, back to the back to the main point of the matter because, of course, we're all going to get into that later. I just – later this season, I mean, of course. I like the Lions. I like – I hate the spread. But I like the Lions to win and, and therefore cover, and I like the over. Just because 
This Lions defense thinks it's going to make a little, a few adjustments. I don't know. It, this is going to be a weird game. What's the over under 52? 52. Yeah, I think it'll be like a 34 to 24 win. Right. How about that? How's That's that? Fair. Fair. All right. Um, the, the leaderboard for the picks, Trent is in first, 16 and 10 for the Lions. Collins and I are both 14 and 12. Um, mortal locks here before we end the show. I, by the way, so every year my dad, my brother, and I do the college bowl pick them where we just we print the sheets off, we pick straight up, no spreads, nothing. My 13-game-in-a-row win streak came to an end yesterday when Bowling Green lost to New Mexico State. 13 wins in a row, one of those including Middle Tennessee State plus seven outright over San Diego State. I believe they were playing, I think. Um, so my mortal lock hit. I am now seven and eight after a tumultuous start to my season. Ryan Collins, 10 and five. Trent, you are six and nine. Nice. That's sex. My mortal lock for the week. I hate to do it. It's sacrilegious, but I'm just telling you, the Vikings are 12 and four playing the Packers who are not even close to 12 and four and the Packers are a three and a half point favorite. I will buy back the the half and I'm going to take the Packers at minus three. That is my mortal lock. Aaron Rodgers. I don't care that he's looked awful this year. He is Aaron Rodgers until he's not. So I will take the Packers minus three is my mortal lock. Okay. Um, I hate to do it. I'm gonna go back to my bread oh, and yeah. butter. I did. I think I did NFL and NBA the last two weeks, and I lost. By the way, I should have won that NBA bet. Fuck yeah, the Knicks, the Knicks got didn't hosed. watch a second, but yeah, the, they did the get hosed. They just did not score a point for about like a quarter. They were up like ten the whole game. <laughs> Wait, they were okay, up so ten to like the and it, they lost by like fifteen somehow. It was you unbelievable. You got hosed, Collins. You got hosed. How did I get? Yeah, I mean, they suck. God, I can't believe I bet on the Knicks. Um. <laughs> I got a soft spot for the Knicks. I don't know why. I really don't know why. Because you're J.R. Smith. You are. It's not even that. I just have always – I loved Mello back in the day. And also, like, the 2012 Knicks are one of the best 2K teams of all time. <laughs> so, I just love the Knicks. Um, okay, well, stay Mello, Rabs. Yeah, Cal, stay, stay Mello. Mello. One of the funniest things ever. Um, I'm going to go back to the Bulls, and I'm going to take Kansas plus two against Arkansas tomorrow. And it's okay. just Kansas. This is a big deal for Kansas. Like this is a big deal that they're playing in a bowl. Arkansas kind of had a really weird year this year. I think they had after their one against Cincinnati, they kind of got into like lofty expectations a little bit early season, kind of like Michigan State. But like when Michigan State was throwing that Washington game, and then. Just kind of got their like priorities rearranged in a couple games. It was beat Bama in uh, at home. Like they've had a weird year. Um, they can't really throw the football, which is really odd in today's college football. But I like I, I like Kansas. I just I, I really do. I think this is important to them. And when you're betting on bowl games, motivation is the key. It, it is literally. It doesn't matter about X's and O's. It's motivation. Whoever has the most motivation is going to win the football game. I think Kansas is a more motivated team. You're right. When I go upstairs, I'm flipping to Kansas on my sheet. I have to. Good call. Okay. Good call. Okay, we're going to end the show with a bang here because, Ravs, as you well know, when, when I come to the fork in the road and it's either college football or it's the NFL, which way do I go? NFL. Of course. And here's the thing. Here's what I had written down as my lock. I had Panthers plus three as my lock. And it was almost out of spite. 
because you know what? This Panthers team ran all over the Lions, and, and, and as we're leaving the stadium, yes, go beat Tom Brady. You control your destiny. Beat Tom Brady. You can win this shit division and make it in the playoffs. So I wanted to take that. They're playing the Buccaneers, by the way. Um, but I'm not. I'm not. I'm switching it. I'm going to pivot because of something my good friend Ryan Rabinowitz oh, took no. earlier in the podcast. I got the Vikings plus three and a half. That All is right. my total lock. And granted, you have Packers minus All right. three. I got Vikings plus three and a half. You know half. what? I'm going to take a minus three and a half. That's a coward okay. move on my part. Three no, and I'm, a half I'm, is a number. I'm, I'm just saying for the sake of parody here on this podcast, yep. there might be some 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 controversy. I guess not so any, not so much not anymore. anymore. But hey, not anymore. I think the Vikings three and a half thing is an absolute joke. That team still has everything to play for. They don't want to play the Cowboys. They want that two seed. They're they don't want to play in San Francisco. And and you know what else? People people seem to just forget. Like they're they're just like, oh, look, the Vikings are happy with where they're at. No, they're not. They hate the Packers. The Vikings hate the Packers. They want to take them out just as bad as the Lions do. So I'll give me the Vikings plus three and a half. Are you fucking kidding me? The Vikings lose by a field goal. I win my bet. I the Vikings are gonna play hard. They got the best receiver in football. Collins, I'm gonna give you 30 seconds to put some respect on Kirk Cousins' name to help my case. I I I honestly, this is more of a Vikings thing. I don't understand like everyone who's watched the Vikings and watched like the teams in the NFC that it's just like a foregone conclusion that the Vikings are not as good as San Francisco and the Eagles. I really don't understand it. And everyone will point to the Vikings defense. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I've watched the Eagles all year. Eagles defense has been fantastic. They just have had some injuries and whatever. But when I watched the Eagles with my eye test, and I know they played earlier in the year in Philadelphia on a Monday night, I, I'm i just seeing eye test-wise, Justin Jefferson and what the – by the way, TJ Hawkinson looks like he's going to be a big contributor for this team. He's a pro shocking. bowler. He's a pro bowler. I know. He's – I mean – He's a lion. But he looked great, I mean, he, with Minnesota. Jefferson is probably the best non-quarterback in the league. Yep. He's incredible. Um, Thielen's still solid. I mean, Delvin Cook, Madison, like they, they got dudes. I just don't like they're not bad. I don't get it. I, I really don't. I think they're on like San Francisco. Everyone's just betting on Brock Purdy. Like, hey, he's gonna this guy's gonna be awesome in a playoff game. I'm like, I think it's a crapshoot in the NFC. I just don't get the disrespect for Minnesota. Like they they're 12 and four. It's like, oh, they've won in all these one-score games, I honestly think that helps you a little bit when you go into the playoffs. Like, no, that's fair. That's fair. And honestly, it's not like they beat up on shitty. Uh, like, it. There's a difference between winning a bunch of weird games and beating up on shitty competition, which is what the Eagles have done this year. So, yeah, I don't know. No, that's fair, Collins. I completely exactly. You validate a lot of uh, a, a lot of points. I guess my thing is just. I still have the 49ers to win that win that conference, but my thing is like with the with the Vikings, it's like yes, they do win all these one score games, and at some point that is going to help you in the playoffs when you're in a tight game or this weekend when you're in a situation playing the Packers where they're playing for their season too. And I will I will close with this, Ravs, before you before you send us all home happy, and 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 we can all say sweet dreams and whatnot. I think Aaron Rodgers' role in this season is to simply be Darth Vader in the Rogue One hallway, just light up the lightsaber and be waiting for the Lions. I think that's his whole role in this season. I think the Lions beat the Bears, the Packers lose, so they're mathematically eliminated, and then it's just like, oh, 
Aaron Rodgers is going to play because he wants to beat the Lions and take them out. I think the pa- the Vikings take the Packers out this weekend, and then Aaron Rodgers reverts to his whole Anakin Skywalker. Just yeah, killing Vader. babies. Baby it, killer. That's all it is. And then he just comes. He just instantly becomes the villain for the Detroit Lions and America because America wants to see the Detroit Lions in the playoffs. I'll end with that. Fair enough, Trent. I It almost feels like the writing's on the wall, but this team is different, right? We've said it all year, Trent. The team is different. Whether or not Collins thinks so, which I think he does, this team is different. So we shall see. Big game on Sunday. Um, all your teams are, are still playing. That's what we do here on the Motown Rundown. All things Detroit sports. By the way, it's going to be awful watching Michigan on New Year's Eve. Off. Oh, they're, they're, by the way, TCU has no shot in that game. No, it's shot. such a bad matchup for them. And Michigan's is good. I hate to say it. But yeah, Michigan's just gonna Michigan's gonna good. beat them by twenty. I think. I'm I I've mentally prepared myself that Michigan wins the national title. I will just go off the grid. <laughs> yeah. I oh gosh. Oh. I I can't handle that. I know. Yeah. I know someone else who can't. His name's Ryan Rabinowitz. He can't yeah. handle that either. Well, my dad would be happy, so. I can't handle it. I, I, I don't know what I would do. All right. Positive vibes only, though. Positive vibes. Yep, so go horn positive. frogs. Yep. <laughs> keep it positive. <laughs> um, that is all for today's episode of the Motown Rundown. For TB, for Collins, I'm Ryan Rabinowitz. Hey, if you want to join the conversation, let us know what you're thinking. We're on Twitter at Motown underscore rundown. We're also on Facebook at the Motown rundown page. Do not miss a single episode of the show. We are exclusively on Spotify. Just search up the Motown rundown. Leave us five stars. If you like the show, if not, just move on. You don't have to be negative. We're positive vibes only over here. Thank you all for listening. We love you very much. Have a happy start to 2023. We will talk to you guys after lions bears. Hope everyone had a great holiday. God bless. Be safe.